Well, good morning, everyone. We're starting a new series entitled Half Full because the idea behind it is, how can I look at life half full when circumstances are constantly changing? Uh, we chose this weekend to start this series because it occurred to us or occurred to me last summer already when we were planning out the fall that uh, no matter what happened in this election, half the country was going to be pretty upset no matter who's going to win the presidency. And it turned out that our nation is pretty deeply divided. And it was either talk about it now after the election or wait till Iron Bowl weekend. It's the same sort of thing. Half the people are upset no matter who wins. And that proves my point. The point is that circumstances are going to constantly change. And if my faith is only good when the candidate I vote for wins, when I've got plenty of money in the bank, my health is great, my relationship is great with my neighbors, my coworkers, and my family, well, then enjoy those 30 minutes. Enjoy it. Because life comes at us at all different speeds. And sometimes one part of our life is going great and another part is going downhill. Sometimes something we root for happens and sometimes it doesn't. But my faith isn't meant to be that way. Now, if you're joining us online, you can find an outline on the website or on our app. And we're glad that you've joined us. If you're here on your outline, you'll see that point A on, on, of my message today is God wants us to experience abundant life regardless of our circumstances. And there are scriptures that abound in this, that talk about this. Jeremiah 7, 17, verses 7 and 8 makes this very clear. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They're like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees aren't bothered by the heat or worried about long months of drought. Their leaves stay green, and they never stop producing fruit. I mean, that's the way I want to be. I think you do too. Where I've got, I'm rooted in my, my faith is rooted in the Lord, not people, not my job, not the economy, not my neighborhood. I mean, all those things are constantly changing. But the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when we are anchored in him, Jeremiah reminds us, he says, you know, you're like a tree that's planted by a river. It doesn't matter if it's the rainiest season ever or if it's a complete drought. That tree isn't dependent on rainfall. Its roots go deep where there's plenty of water all the time. It doesn't matter whether everything's breaking the way I, should, the way I think it should in every area of my life. My roots are anchored down in the Lord. I'm going to experience love and joy and peace from him. Not from others. Not from my finances. Not from my politics. It's important to remind ourselves of this right now. It's important for us to remind ourselves of that every day, but especially right now. Because as we live in a nation that is deeply and literally divided in half, how are we going to respond? How are we going to live? Well, praise God, there's a whole lot of scripture to inform us on how we can keep hope and keep the Lord centered in our lives. Uh, another passage of scripture is that faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. And so in your outline, you'll notice I jam packed it full of scriptures. I just want you to hear these today because they remind us of who we are and why we're here and where our hope comes from. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, there are times in my life when I need to take stock of what I anchor my soul to. And today, Lord, I pray that you remind us that through Christ we anchor ourselves to you. 
you're the vine, we're just branches, and we got to stay tapped into you all the time. And Father, we live in a culture that is deeply divided along political lines and along so many other lines. And so, Father, I pray that today you would remind us of our faith in you and that you are our king. Speak to us today. Give us words of hope. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I want to give us today three reasons followers of Christ can always have hope no matter their circumstances. Number one is we have a priceless eternal inheritance awaiting us in heaven kept safe by God himself. And the Bible mentions this over and over again, that when we put our trust in the Lord, we're going to live forever in heaven. Jesus told his disciples, I'm going to go get a place ready for you in heaven. And when everything's ready, I'm going to come get you so you can always be with me where I am. And it's important for us to remind ourselves of this because when our culture changes, when our world is constantly changing about us, how do we know what's safe? Well, first of all, uh, Peter says that we can trust that we, have a, that we have a living hope in Christ to protect our eternal inheritance. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance can never perish or spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And in all this, you greatly rejoice that now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Now these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Peter said, look, you have an inheritance that's kept safe for you in heaven. There's no act of Congress that can touch that. There is no presidential edict that can touch that. There is no war that can touch that. No tornado can come and blow it away. And if that's good news to you today, would you say amen? amen. This is a reason to hope no matter what goes on. Like I said, there's all kinds of things that can come into our life that can cause us fear and worry and anxiety. Now, I'm unpacking a couple of different dimensions of this. First of all, point A, we'll have brand new bodies that'll never die again. I mean, this is guaranteed to us through Christ. Paul was asked once by the people who lived in Corinth, hey, what kind of bodies will we have in heaven? And here's what he said. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. And what you put in the ground isn't the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever it is you're planting. And then God gives it the new body he wants it to have. Well, it's the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they'll be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they'll be raised in glory. They're buried in weakness, but they'll be raised in strength. They're buried as natural human bodies, but they'll be raised as spiritual bodies. And then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I put this in because one of the reasons we can get so discouraged and down it, the circumstance we can face is a health problem. We're not as strong as we used to be. And if you go, wow, I haven't experienced that lately. Well, just wait. Just hang on. You, when you get older, you'll experience it, okay? And our bodies now disappoint us. Well, the older I get, the more true that is. And when you and I have to deal with this, we have to remind ourselves, now, wait a minute. 
I have an earthly body that lasts me for a few decades on this planet, but I'm going to have an eternal body in heaven that will never age. It'll never get old. It'll last forever. Now, this is good news, and this is our hope, and nothing on this earth can change it. Cancer can't. An accident can't. Aging can't. All that will be left behind here in this world. I did a funeral for Jack Clark, a gentleman in his 80s who attended here for a number of years, just a week before last. And he was aging and his body was failing. And it was so interesting that he told his children before he passed, he goes, I am not worried about dying. I've got a brand new body that will never die again. He wasn't the least bit afraid of dying at all. But if our hope is only for this world, well, then the game's over. But it's not. We have eternity in heaven. I got a freelance hallelujah over there. That's great. <laughs> Thanks for visiting, sir. I appreciate you being with us. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. This is good stuff. But the reason I'm going over this is, is look at this. All of a sudden now, in the midst of a time when our nation is at a crossroads, where we've been so full of anxiety and tension of things, when we focus on this, we have hope. That's why we're doing this. That's why we're doing this. To remind us, hey, wait a minute. We're not supposed to be at each other's throats. We're not supposed to be balled up in fear. We're not supposed to be angry all the time. As Christians, we have a living hope. In fact, it transcends anything that happens in our current world, both in our personal lives and nationally and internationally. Point B, not only will we have brand new bodies, we'll never die again, we're going to live forever in perfect relationship with God himself. I mean, in this world, there's sin and sorrow and death, and there's all these things that distract us, and we can focus on all of our problems. We can focus on our problems at work and problems in our neighborhood and problems with our kids and problems with our parents and problems, problems, problems. And in heaven, it won't be that way. We get so focused on that, we don't even think about God. And that's why we're gathered here today, to remind ourselves of that it's not going to always be this way. John, one of Jesus' disciples, late in his life when he was exiled on the island of Patmos, had a glimpse of heaven. Here's what he saw. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He'll live with them, and they will be his people. That was a shout from the throne of heaven itself. God himself will be with them. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And to all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit these blessings. And I will be their God, and they will be my children. And if we could read just the last part of that last sentence, starting with, I will be their God. Could you read that out loud with me, please? I will be their God, and they will be my children. This is God's desire. It was Jesus' desire. I'm getting that place ready for you so you'll be with me forever where I am. And in heaven, it's going to be that way. Even though here on earth that you go, man, sometimes it's just so hard to even focus on anything that has to do with God. And we're going to be his children. He said, so you got to think of it like a father hanging with his children. This weekend, um, my wife Debbie and I are, are keeping our grandson. He is 16 months old. His name's Averett. And he is probably the most wonderful child in the world. And I say that unobjectively as a grandparent. 
uh, no, I'm not objective at all. In fact, I will tell you, when he came to stay with us the other night, man, he called my grandparent name is Pop. And he ran across the floor. He jumped in my arms, Pop! He jumped in my arms. And I will tell you, man, it just melts my heart. I love holding him. We went out to a playground and climbed on a bunch of things over and over and over. But we did it forever. But my point is that because he's just that age where he's just busy all the time. And I love it. I love watching him grow. I love watching him develop. And I love him whether or not his diaper is full. And he's had some of those too this weekend. <laughs> I love him. And do you know the amount of love I have for that little boy who is so precious to me? is insignificant compared to the love that Jesus has for you. No matter what our circumstance. This is why we can have love and joy and peace going, my heavenly Father loves me. Paul says, nothing on earth, nothing beneath the earth or in heaven, the devil himself can't keep us away from God's love. We need to remember this. Then we'll be like trees planted by streams of water. And even when things don't go our way, or if they do go our way, we won't be swayed by that. That's not where we draw our source from anyway. We have brand new bodies. They'll never die again. We'll, have a, we'll live forever in a perfect relationship with God. And look at point C. We will live forever together in perfect relationship with believers from every time and place in history. I mean, this is what's so amazing. We live in such a divided time now. We're divided on political lines, on racial lines. We're divided internationally. We're divided on economic lines. We're divided just about every way you could possibly be divided. And in heaven, it will never be that way again, ever. Now think about this. After this, I looked. This is another glimpse of heaven John had. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one can count from every nation, tribe, people, language, standing there before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes. They were holding palm branches in their hand, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's our inheritance stored in heaven for us. That's the way it's going to be. Nobody can make a law against that. Nothing on earth will ever change that. And we are told in Scripture to remind ourselves we are citizens of heaven first before we're citizens of any nation on this earth because our citizenship here is just temporary. In fact, Paul said we need to think of ourselves as aliens here. We're just passing through. This is the way it's going to be in heaven forever. And Jesus said, well, don't store up for yourselves treasures here on earth then. I mean, if you believe all this, that's where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's going to last forever. Moths and vermin don't destroy there. And where thieves, and thieves don't break in and steal there. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And we went through a whole series this last month about the issue of, you know, letting go of my right to be offended. And that all comes into this. 
it's much easier to let go of my right to be offended if I remember, hey, I'm a citizen of heaven. And in this world, I'm going to have people who disagree with me. In this world, we're going to be divided. In this world, I'm going to have a body that will die. In this world, I'm going to have lots of things that interfere with my relationship with God. But it won't be that way in heaven ever. Ever. And that's where I'm going to spend eternity. Thanks be to Jesus. Let's stay rooted in that truth. And then we can have the right perspective on things. Does that mean we don't vote? Does that mean we don't speak up? Of course not. We have to speak up. We have to take a stand. But we don't have to do so in anger and in fear. Because this is the truth. It's also important to remind ourselves that not only do we have an eternal inheritance that will never fade, but God is working in ways we cannot see or understand. Well, yeah, John, you're talking about heaven someday. No, I'm also talking about God this day. Do you know that God is working in our world in ways you can't see? Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 4. In fact, it's all throughout Scripture. Therefore, we don't lose heart, Paul said, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Do you know that God is working behind the scenes in ways that you, you and I couldn't even understand? And a natural response always is, well, why doesn't he explain it to me? Then I would understand, and then I wouldn't worry. Well, here's why. Point A, because we wouldn't believe God if he told us what he was doing. And there's all kinds of passages in scriptures that verify this. There's none clearer. We went over a whole series of this this summer in Habakkuk. But let me repeat Habakkuk 1.5 to you. Habakkuk had been complaining about the corrupt religious leadership and the corrupt political leadership in his country, in Israel, during his time. He said, God, everybody in the leadership in the temple is corrupt. Oh, the king is corrupt. Everybody in the court is corrupt. When are you going to do something about it? And this is what the Lord told him. The Lord said, look around, Habakkuk, at all the nations. Look and be amazed, for I'm doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe, even if someone told you about it. And then what happens next? He said, I'm bringing the country of Assyria in, and all those corrupt leaders you're worried about, I'm going to carry them all off into exile. I'm going to destroy your whole nation, and I'm going to get rid of them all. I'm going to sweep them all out at one shot. And you know what Habakkuk's response to that was? No, Lord, I didn't mean that. Lord, what are you going to get rid of all these corrupt people? I'm going to sweep them all out at one shot. Oh, Lord, that was not what I was praying for. He didn't believe it. He said, it's going to happen in your own lifetime. And it did. It did, a number of years later. And what if God is working in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in our nation? What if God is about to bring about the greatest revival we have ever seen? But what if he's not doing it in the way that you and I had pictured? Would that be okay with you and me? I mean, every time I lay out my plans before the Lord, I mean, I'm pretty sure I hear laughter somewhere, okay? Life application. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. He'll show you which path to take. I mean, Solomon wrote that. The wisest man who ever lived wrote that. He was as smart as you could be, and he said, yeah, I'm the smartest man who ever lived. God gave him supernatural wisdom. Yeah, I still don't understand him. 
because his ways are so high above ours, we can't grasp it. And we wouldn't believe it even if he told us. That's why we need to trust he's working. He's working in ways I don't understand. In my school, at my job, in our nation, around the world. And that way, when circumstances change, I don't have to lose my cool. By the way, along what goes on this, God is not worried about the schemes of evil people. Because you could say, but John, you don't know my neighbor. My neighbor is the worst neighbor ever. I mean, he or she is truly evil. John, you don't know the people in my workplace. They're out to do me in. John, you don't know of all the horrible schemes that are going on all around us. I don't. The Lord does. He does. Psalm 2. Why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with their futile plans? The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord, against his anointed one. Let's break, our, let's break their chains, they cry, and free ourselves from slavery to God. But the one who rules in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. And in anger, he rebukes them, terrifying them with his fierce fury. Man, we waste so much time in anger. This is why the Bible tells us, let go of your anger. In fact, David wrote this, Psalm 37, Be still in the presence of the Lord. Wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Don't lose your temper. It only leads to harm, for the wicked will be destroyed. For those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. This was David wrote these psalms. I mean, he wrote Psalm 2 also. This was a guy who literally ran from his life from his father-in-law. He literally ran from his life from his own son who tried to steal his throne. This is a guy who knew what it was like to be hunted and hated, had political enemies everywhere who were seeking to kill him by force, kill him by poison, kill him any way they could. And he said he trusted in the Lord. He said, you want to know what it's like to trust the Lord? You're going to have to trust that he's bigger than the people who oppose you. We can trust that he's working in ways we can't see or understand. We probably wouldn't believe it if he told us. I mean, I've shared here on a number of occasions that I was in love with a girl in college, and I thought I was going to marry her. I was mad as fire when that didn't work out. I mean, I loved her. My parents loved her, but I didn't like that guy she fell in love with and loved me for at all. I couldn't stand him. I was angry at the Lord. I was. I had prayed about our relationship many times. God, what are you doing? Don't you know? You see, how are you letting her get away with this? And then two and a half years later, I meet Debbie, and it's like, oh, well, that's why you let her get away with that. You know all that stuff I was so angry about? Yeah, I shouldn't have said that. Sorry. We have reward. We have an inheritance in heaven waiting for us. Brand new body will never die again. The presence of God himself. Perfect unity with other believers from every time and place in history. Every tribe, nation, race, and tongue. It's all coming. Nothing on earth can change that for all of us who love Jesus. We also can trust that God's working behind the scenes and he'll deal with evil people in their time. And that's why we can have love and joy and peace and trust that God is going to get revenge. Vengeance is mine. I'll repay, he says. You just love people. Let it go. Pray about it. Stand for what's right. But don't go around being angry. 
Finally, God is always with us. This is the third thing I remind God is always with us. Not only is he dealing with evil people, he's helping us in every situation. God isn't surprised by what's going on. And so David wrote a psalm about this too. This is Psalm 23. It's in the New King James Version. I want you to read it out loud with me. Can we read it together, please? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David is talking about this exact thing. Ran for his life. Knew what it was like to be hated. Literally camped out at night and had to sleep with enemies surrounding him. And he wrote elsewhere in the Psalms, I lay down and sleep at night because the Lord's watching over me. He's my shepherd. He'll take care of me. In good times, he'll lead me beside the green pastures and the still waters. In the hard times, he'll walk right with me, right through the valley of the shadow of death. So why should I be afraid? I will fear no evil. Besides, God's going to anoint my head with oil. I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Praise God. Now, what if you and I thought that way? That's what Jesus wants us to. That's what Jeremiah wants us to. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They're like trees planted along a riverbank. It doesn't matter what circumstances they go through. Politically, financially, in their family, with their health. It doesn't matter because their joy is in the Lord. So I'm going to lead us in some prayer today. I'm going to ask our worship team to come on up here. And we're going to spend a little bit of time. Um, I just want us to hear the first verse of a hymn. And Nick, what's the hymn that we're going to be singing today? Lord, I need you. Yeah, Lord, I need you. I don't want you to sing along with this. I just want you to listen to this. It's an old hymn. But when you listen to it now in light of everything we've talked about, it, let these words soak in. And after the worship team has led us in a verse and the chorus of this hymn, then I want to have a word of prayer for us. And after that prayer, we're going to sing the whole hymn together. So listen to this. Lord, I need you. Just listen to these words and reflect on what it means to put our trust completely in him. Lord, I come
God, we just thank you for your word to remind us of who we are and why we're here and where we get our strength anyway. We dare not trust ourselves. We're too weak. We dare not trust others. They're no stronger than we are in the long run. Father, we put our confidence in so many things that don't matter, but we want our confidence to be in you. Oh God, make us like trees planted by streams of water. We draw up our hope and our joy and our peace from you. Not just if things break our way. Oh, Father, we thank you that through Christ we have an eternal inheritance awaiting us in heaven, kept safe by you. And nothing can change that. God, even as our mortal bodies decay, we thank you that we are, have in store for us brand new bodies that will never die again. Lord, we thank you that in heaven we will live in perfect unity with you. There'll be no sin, no sorrow, no sadness ever again. No more death, no more dying, no more fear. Oh God, we look forward to that day. Thank you that you love us as your children. Father, we thank you as we come before you today that we're going to be in perfect unity there with believers from every time and place on the globe. Father, we'll all be one. There'll be no more division. No more hatred. No more bigotry. Ever again. It's in store and it's coming. God, this is our hope. Lord, we thank you that you are working in ways that we do not see. That even if people have evil schemes aimed against us, they're no match for you. You protect us. You walk with us through the valley of the shadow of death. You will never leave or forsake us, and nothing can keep your love away. Thank you. God, we pray that we will not trust in ourselves, but we will trust in you. You're our defense. You're our righteousness. God, we need you. Remind us of this. God, we surrender our right to be offended. And Lord, even when anger and frustration just boil over because people have been rude to us or mean to us, Lord, we thank you that we can run to you and just say, God, just take all this from me. Fill me instead with love and joy and peace. God, we want to be bright lights at a time when we're eaten up with anger and division, even hatred in our culture right now. God, we want to be agents of peace. And we want to be pure in heart. Please, fill us with your spirit. We cannot do this on our own. Lord, we need you. Oh, we need you. 
In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray these things.